Well, Happy New Year to you all. And my mic is on. Yes, it is. We got action. That's good. Well, I hope you all had a good Christmas and uh, your New Year is seeing you well. Um, if I've noticed anything as I phoned all my family over Christmas, uh, a, number, a number of them told me stories of conflict. And in those conflicts, um, uh, some mean things were said. And uh, one of my relatives said they were told that they were hated and they wished they were dead. And it was all the recent conflict. And you can only imagine what it could have been. And honestly, that is since the Garden of Eden. We have had conflict. But praise to God, as Shailen was singing, it is about Jesus. And Jesus just soothes our souls. He takes our hurts and our pains. He takes our heart of stone and replaces it with the heart of flesh, and it's a beautiful thing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Oh God, you are the great reconciler. While we were yet sinners, Jesus, you died on a cross, a death you didn't deserve. You sacrificed the ultimate thing, your life, your physical, bodily life here on earth. You sacrificed that for me that I could be reconciled to God and therefore reconciled with others. And I know that the world is in tension like it's never been. And we as a church, we're in the world and we can't help but it to affect us. Oh, we need Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we come to be reconciled. In humility, we bend our knee, and we want to hear from you this morning. In Jesus Christ's name, I pray, amen. Now, before I get preaching a message, I want to thank you. Uh, I was told by Pastor Rod, and we don't have all the details, but uh, our year-end giving was really good, and it isn't that we've blowing our budget, and, and I don't mean blowing our budget and spending it, but that we've given more than our budget, but we are optimistic enough giving was given that we're actually caught back up to our budget in giving right now, and it was good, and our building fund had some money given to it, so thank you, and uh, believe you me, it is never lost on me, and especially in these days, your sacrificial and obedient giving to the Lord. He has told you to give back a portion to him, and you've been good. And so thank you for your obedience. May the Lord bless you for your obedience. May you put your head on your pillow at night and just feel an incredible sweet peace because I believe your church is going to put forth the kingdom. When I hear bad things like uh, what happened with the Beliskis, um, it just stirs my heart into wanting to get the gospel to the ends of the earth. I think you're aware that the scriptures repeatedly tell us that when every tribe and nation have heard about Jesus, then the end will come. And whenever I hear what sin and sickness and death has done in this world, which wasn't God's plan, whenever I hear that, and I hear how the tragedy of good people has happened, I just go, oh, come Lord Jesus, come. I mean, you read the book of Revelation and it, it just unfolds a, a whole bunch of traumatic 
calamic, horrible things. And then by the very last chapters, it keeps saying, come, Lord Jesus, come. And you know when Jesus returns, then the end comes. And so if your heart is aching, pray for the end to come. Pray for every tribe and nation that we send more Tristans out from our congregation. As I was sitting in the front pew, and I'm way off topic, sermon's going way over time today. That's not a good sign. As I was sitting on the front pew, I looked up here on the stage with the worship team. There was six children of people in this church that were leading us in worship. I mean, there was some that were doing cameras, some that were playing guitars. It was beautiful. It's an awesome thing. I also uh, want to just tell you the topic of my sermon, and honestly, it's one that I need to preach, but it's one I've been avoiding. I've been avoiding this sermon, and the sermon is on unity, and I've avoided it because it feels a little bit self-serving, because when the church isn't unified, it doesn't feel very good to me. And so I have never been the kind of person that wants to say, you better follow me or else, or, or how dare you. I mean, I want you to have a free will and a free thought. I want you to make your own decisions. I want you to connect with God. So what I've done over the last, and hopefully you noticed it, the last two or three months, as Shailen spoke, it just epitomized it so much. I've wanted to bring you to Jesus Because I really believe in the name of Jesus is where unity is going to happen. Unity cannot be conjured up like joy or, or soul happiness can't be conjured up. Only God can go in those places. And I believe unity in the church comes from a unity with Christ. I happen to know that this God whom I serve, he is not bitter, he is not angry, he is not, well, not angry in the sense we think of it. He isn't uh, vengeful, he isn't, uh, uh, he doesn't get even, he doesn't, and I know this is my God, so I know if we connect with God, we're gonna connect with each other. And we're gonna see that in the message today. So hopefully you take the message for what I intend it to be. It is not saying to you, don't have your opinions. But what I'm asking is that let's look at Jesus. Let's focus on Jesus. You may or may not know, if you read your Bible on a regular basis, the Bible is chocked full of unity's talk. Right from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation, I I would say in the New Testament, probably because I did a bit of digging this week, and I think I came across about 40 or 50 unity verses in every book in the New Testament and almost every book in the Old Testament. Are you aware how much Scripture talks about? I mean, it just as you heard my prayer as I started out, God is reconciling man to himself in Jesus. That's why you're here. Does it not also make sense that God has reconciled us with each other? The Lord's Prayer, we all know it. You know, we're supposed to forgive others because we've been forgiven. I mean, the cross is about reconciliation. It is not about division. I had a district superintendent, oh man, I'm so off track already. I had a district superintendent, he'd been a DS for 17 years, and he was in one of my senior classes at college, and he said in 17 years he had never 
presided over a church split that had to do with doctrine. He said, oh yeah, sometimes doctrine would surface, but when you dug behind it and beneath it, it wasn't doctrine. And I'm gonna end my sermon today in an illustration that might make you mad. It was one of those epiphanies that happened to me 30 years ago, and it shook my world. And I have been a much kinder, gentler man ever since because I love doctrine and theology and I can get a little caught up in it. I can get a little bit judgmental on others. And I love being obedient to Jesus and I get frustrated when people aren't. And I can be the worst of people. I cannot be walking in the spirit a lot. So I hope you understand the context of the message. I have seen division in the church in South America when I traveled there. I saw division in the church in Africa the two times I've been there. I've seen division in the church in the U.S. when I've traveled there or if I've been watching something online. I've seen division in the church in Mexico and I've seen division in the church in Canada and I've seen division in the church in my churches. None of the churches I've pastored have split. Oh, by the way, did you know this church has never split? That is a hats off to you. And I want to also say to you this morning, I have been so incredibly impressed how even with your deep opinions, you've stayed unified. And I want this sermon, this message to be sort of a, a source how we keep that going. How we get along with people who have said to us, like I told you, I wished you were dead. And you maybe have had an argument so bad and in fact, husband and wives that come into my office, sometimes I hear about the arguments and I, I'm sitting behind my desk going, seriously? Like the roll of toilet paper being turned that way, it meant that much? Or squeezing the toothpaste, you're ready to divorce her? Like, I, I, honestly, as I sit back and go, the things we fight about. And in the church, my experience, what's been fought about, I had one church, they fought over the colors of the walls. I knew that could be a problem and I tried really hard to uh, strike up a committee that would pick the colors and it was their decision. And uh, one of the persons on the committee didn't like what the committee was deciding so got up on the church Sunday morning, just happened to be up there, and said, uh, could everybody in the church come and look at the color of the sample wall and give me their opinion? And when he said it, I went, oh my goodness, this is gonna be a disaster and it was. Oh man, there was opinions. It didn't divide my church. But the things, the color of the carpets, the style of music, the stuff we, let's get into the scriptures. Let's debate, you know, is it believer's baptism? Let's talk about that. Let's talk about the sanctity of life that scripture teaches that in our mother's womb, God is forming us. Let's talk about that kind of stuff. Let's debate. But more importantly, let's talk about the primary stuff. Who is Jesus? What's the condition of man? Is man sinful? have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and what do we do about that? Let's talk about that. But no, we get caught up in the most divisive, crazy things, and I determined this morning I'm not gonna mention one divisive thing that's going on right now in our world, so I'm not gonna go there, but you let your imaginations imagine for a moment. In my observations, a lot of division in the church is a spillover from the world. As I said, we can't help when we're in the world to not let that influence and affect us and bring it into the church. And I have noticed in my soul that I love to spiritualize my opinions. I'll even look for Bible verses to proof text them. 
and often there's such secondary things like, I, I mean, I should have come up with a good Bible verse about which way the toilet paper roll should be. I'm sure I could find one. We love spiritualizing our opinions. And if other people don't agree with these, I'll call them secondary issues, we become just unglued, upset. I've noticed in the text that we're going to look in, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, you can turn your fingers to your Bible there. I've noticed this text is similar to almost every other text on unity. It usually talks about be united, and then it says focus on Jesus. Or sometimes it'll say focus on Jesus, be united. So turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and we're going to start at verse 10. And I want you to notice there's some interesting words in this very first verse, and it's the words in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when I heard a couple people pray here and in the uh, gym when we were praying for the service, I heard people say, in the name of Jesus, amen. Well, this is used in a little bit different twist, and I want you to pay attention to it. I appeal to you, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, In the name of our Lord Jesus. Now this is important to understand. This is the foundation. This is the fabric work. This is the internal power and strength to do what he's just gonna ask. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say and that there be no divisions among you but that you be perfectly united in mind and in thought. I don't know about you, but I just am blown out of the water by that ask. That is a huge ask. How can we get to that point where we agree with each other on that kind of level, where the secondary things just are so unimportant, where they're just not even there, but we say to ourselves, oh, and I want Jesus' return to come. I want to get Tristan's and and whoever else we're sending to. I want to get more people sent out. I, I want to tell my neighbor about Jesus. I'm going to take a box of chocolate to him before Christmas and invite them to watch the service online. You just get so amped up so unified with each other. And I will tell you, the way we get there is we focus on Jesus, in the name of Jesus. We focus on the main things. You cannot and must not separate our unity in Christ with Jesus. Our unity will come from Jesus. Our unity with each other will come with our unity with God. Through church renewal, and I think I've confessed it a couple of times. Before I went to Southland Church, I'd become a little bit, I, I wouldn't say overblown, but I'd become disillusioned with how far a church could ever really get. I just assumed that there would be 10, 20% that would just be in love with God and the rest would be just kind of going through the motions, going through the moralism that they think they will get to heaven because they're doing good and right and wrong. And I kind of got a little bit disillusioned. And then I saw Southland Church, and I've told you about that. I, I saw a church that, <coughs> well, the best story about it is they don't lose any of the young people when they go to university. They stay following the Lord. And what Southland Church has done is they've been able to teach people to connect daily with God. And you're going, well, isn't that what we do for years and years? Well, yeah, 
but we haven't been very successful at it. Southland came up with a formula and a method, and they would be like mad at me for even saying that, but they've come up with a process to get you to connect with God and hear his voice. I mean, their cornerstone, first thing they want churches to teach is hearing God. And if you can connect with God, again, God is not vengeful, hateful, and all that kind of stuff. So if you're connecting with God, it's gonna make a difference in your life. When you go to university and you hear the lies about how this world was created, you're gonna go and talk to God about it, and God's gonna set you straight. You're gonna read the scriptures because you've learned that that's where real truth is foundational in. And I have warned all of us before in the church that if you have any anger or bitterness or revenge in your heart, that's not from God. So beyond Southland Church, I've also connected well with the church in Fort St. John, one now in uh, Chilliwack, a big church of uh, 1,500, 2,000 people, become good friends with the pastor. He's a church renewal church, and also a church outside of Edmonton I've connected with, and they've been a long time in church renewal kind of processes. And I can tell you that Southland is not, you know, when I went there, the first thing, oh, it's just a bunch of nice Mennonites here. That's why the church is doing so well. And if you're a Mennonite and you're frustrated with Mennonites, I'm sorry, but that's what I thought. But I've seen it now in Fort St. John. I've seen it in Edmonton. I've seen it in Chilliwack. When people in the church connect with Jesus... When they are plugged into the vine on a daily basis, when they're reading the word, when they're stopping and actually listening to what God says, the church has become transformed. I'm not saying everybody. So some of you may or may not know, one of the gifts I have, spiritual gifts, I have a gift of discernment. And uh, by the way, I'd never ever turn it on very much because I really don't like seeing what I see. And uh, so in Southland, I actually, I, I decided Sunday morning, I'm going to look at every, I look at people's eyes and I can often see, I might not know what your struggle is, but I can tell there's something up. And uh, so I did this in Southland and I only found one person that I could say, ooh, that person's got some weird stuff going on. Only one person. And I went, this is unbelievable. How does this happen? And then when I showed up at the prayer summit Sunday night and two thirds of the church was there praying, I went, yep, something's different here. And in humility, by Monday morning, I was ready to sign up. And it is in Southland. Southland, uh, in fact, Ray, the founder of, uh, or the guy who started Church Renewal, he'll say, he, he, God has actually showed him he was God's second choice. He had somebody else first. And the guy actually came up to Ray and said, the Lord had given me all the stuff that you're doing years ago, but I was too afraid to do it. And you have to understand, this, isn't, this is biblical stuff that we're trying to teach through renewal. We want you to connect. So my last couple of months, I've been trying to connect you with Jesus. I understand that that's what's gonna help us not be divided, is when we are connecting to Jesus. In Outlook, we were struggling with church unity, and uh, I got this great idea along with the elders that we should do a cancel church one Sunday, we would just all go on a family camp. One of the problems that happened is only 20 people, 20% of the people showed up. So I think out of my church it would have been about 180, 200 people then. I think only 30 or 40 came. And I was so disappointed Friday night. And we decided we would have worship, we would have a speaker. And the speaker, he, he, I remember uh, Friday night, the worship was okay. You know, it was kind of like, you know, sort of like us wearing masks, not sure if we should sing or not. It sort of sounded like that. 
Saturday, the speaker had talked about reconciling with God, confessing your sins, had an altar call. Sunday morning, the speaker had talked about reconciling with each other, and there was lots of that that went on. Sunday night, the worship, it was loud, it was ruckus, like it was just unbelievable. And there was hugging, and, and I thought, okay, this has been cool. And I thought, I wonder how this will affect the church. You know, for the next year, it was one of the best years in that church for growth. When the people came, it was only 20% of them that got it right, that came together and connected. Do you know how powerful unity is? We're going to read a scripture later on where, where Jesus' final prayer, it's the very last verse we're going to end with. Jesus' final prayer, that's the thing he prayed about, is that we would be unified. Do you know how powerful when we are unified and loving each other it is to the world? But unfortunately, what gets front and center in the media right now is some pastor coming on and saying, they're all heretics. They're disobedient to God or whatever they're doing. And it's just like, oh, I cringe at that. And I go, oh, Lord, let's stop throwing stones. In Jesus' name, let's come together. Verse 11 goes on in this text and is so wonderful. And, and you start to see the division in this case, like it has a name. My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household, have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Now, Paul literally is the guy writing this letter, and the apostle Paul was an evangelist, and he was a, 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 a Pharisee originally, so he knew his Bible, he knew his theology. He, was, he wrote the book of Romans. Just read that. It makes your head hurt. And another, I follow Apollos. Now, historically, from what we understand, Apollos was, uh, he was a, when you read through the book of Acts, you'll find that he was an incredible preacher, and he even had to be you know, he had a great following and some of the uh, disciples had to go and correct some of his theology at one point, but he was an incredible orator. He could draw the crowds. He could get the people weeping. He was incredible. And another, I follow Cephas. Now this is probably Peter, the apostle, one of the original. And another, Still another, I follow Christ. Now, from what we understand, those that followed Christ, reading behind the scenes and in the lines, uh, those that followed Christ, these were the super spiritual, purest ones. Well, I don't follow any man. I only follow Christ. So you can see how the early church in Corinth had divided. And it had divided up into personalities. Was this theology? I'm sure there was some theology. I only follow Christ. Well, I follow Paul the evangelist. We need to evangelize and reach the world. Oh, yes, but, you know, Cephas is such a good preacher. He just moves my soul. He's so great. Or Apollos, man, can he orate. Man, can he say it like we need to hear it. You know, we, we love to collect, and we are in this society right now where we're ruled by mob. I mean, we always have. I mean, I've told you the story of my little dog, Sparky, went, disappeared one day, and then I found him out in a field with 10 other dogs. My little dog, Sparky, who wouldn't hurt a fly, he was chasing horses and biting their hind legs, and the horses were actually bleeding from all these dogs chasing. The farmer wasn't impressed, wanted to shoot my dog. Thank goodness I got my dog. But he got together with the other dogs, and this mob rule just got... I've watched it on the internet lately, just even about some of the... M 
MLAs and what's going on with, and I'm seeing the mob rise up and whether I agree or disagree, it, I, I don't like how it's going. Let's be careful of that. Let's not get caught up in the world and what the world is trying to do. Let's look even at the denominations we have here in Grand Prairie. In the Alliance, what do we say of ourselves? We are the missional church, deeper life church, whatever. The Baptists, they often will say of themselves, we're theologians. We love theology. We're Calvinists or whatever they are. Pentecostals, what do they say of themselves? They're the spiritual ones, right? We have the Holy Spirit. He's a spirit-filled preacher. Those are the words they say. Or the Reformed people in town. What do they say of themselves? You just need to go on some of their websites. They're biblicists. They love the Bible. Everything is the Bible this and the Bible that. I mean, that's where they're at. It doesn't mean that the rest of us aren't all of this stuff, but we sort of have those focuses and we get caught up in it. And I want to say, let's set that aside. Let's quit that. I have found that we can love other Christians of other stripes if we focus on the main things, and the main thing is Jesus. Listen to where Paul takes the argument. Verse 13, he says, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? And then he goes into this little thing, just, you know, as a preacher, you sometimes say a comment, then you go, wait a minute, somebody might take this wrong. I thank God that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one can say that you were baptized in my name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I don't remember if I baptized anyone else. Verse 17, getting back to the topic. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence, kind of hear the wheels going about somebody he's referring to, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. First time I saw that Billy Graham crusade in Edmonton, I was a young, arrogant Bible college student. I heard Billy Graham live for the first time the end of the sermon, I went, not one person's going to walk down. That was pathetic. There was no connecting. There was no, theology. like, it was just awful. The room emptied out to the front, and they all prayed to receive Christ. And I learned to lesson. Billy Graham preached Jesus. He focused on Jesus. Christ crucified is God's power. Let's be really careful to understand. Division melts away when Christ and his power are front and center. When we focus on Jesus, that's when things change. So Christ crucified is God's power and wisdom. Verse 18, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Oh, do I know that today. Like, I have never seen and experienced the world's opinion of us evangelicals like I have lately. It's been a little shocking. But the truth is, I need to be okay with it. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Verse 19, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the, inte the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has God not made, has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? Here comes my story 
that might make you mad. When I was pastoring in Tumblr Ridge, I was this, you know, I was going through ordination, uh, so I was really up on my theology really well. I'd been memorizing, I'd been writing papers. And I got to do a wedding for a, a young man in my church and a young lady. And uh, this guy's dad was, at one point, he was the president of the Lutheran Church of Canada. And they've changed their names a few times, but it's just, I think I always hear them just called LCC now. And, uh, but anyway, so he had been president. And so we were, we did the rehearsal Friday night, then we went over to this uh, young, his son's house, Matthew's house. And I was sitting beside this guy, for even forget his name today. And we started talking theology. And, and in our conversation, he says to me, yeah, we were going to amalgamate with the Evangelical Lutheran Church in Canada, but I fought against it. And I said, oh, why did you fight against it? He said, well, because they had a statement of faith that says, the Bible contains the word of God. And I'm going, like, I, I didn't quite click in yet. What's wrong with that is what I was thinking. And he saw my eyes and he goes, well, well you know what I mean, like, we have a statement that says the Bible is the word of God. It doesn't just contain bits and pieces of God. It, all of it, from front cover to the end, is God. So at this point, I'm going, oh, I've got a kindred spirit. We started talking about evangelism, about reaching the lost, about missions. I'm getting so excited about this guy. I'd never realized Lutherans could be like me. I mean, I had a theological bias like you can't imagine. And I remember sitting there, okay, this is cool. And I'm just feeling so warm. I'm feeling so excited then his son walks up and hands him his rye and coke and the guy lights up a cigarette. Honestly, if I, I'm sure my chin was probably on the floor and my evangelical bias kicked in really big time <laughs> and I thought to myself, how could he, he loves the Bible and he smokes and drinks and don't get me wrong right now, I am still against alcohol and I'm still against smoking. But it isn't a main thing. A main thing is Jesus. And since that time, I've been able to go to Alpha conferences with Anglicans and Catholics and Alpha conferences with Lutherans. And I've seen them drinking wine at their tables. And we're all loving and praising Jesus. So I, I, I do have my secondary doctrines. I'm going to keep preaching, for example, that Jesus wants believers to be baptized, not babies. I'll keep preaching that and I'll argue it biblically. But I will no longer be judgmental like I used to be to other people with other secondary stuff. So where are we going with this this morning? We are in a very divided world right now and we can't help but that to come into the church. I even in an email yesterday talking to somebody from the church, they were asking me, how's it been during this COVID? And, and I mentioned a few things and the person wrote back to me, man, doesn't matter what you do right now in the church as a pastor. You're offending somebody. I said, oh yeah, this hasn't been a real good time. I get emails so much right now and I don't usually get that many. People are really upset. And can I just ask us, in the name of Jesus, let's be unified. Let's focus on the main things and your gears are probably going, still thinking about that Ryan Coke and that cigarette. And I just want to say to you, yeah, I know. I know, I get it. 
but I've come to the point that I've got a lot of stuff in my life that I probably need to deal with too, and I know I do. You don't know, like at my age, at 59, my prayer lately has been, oh God, let me be like Billy Graham and finish well, or like the Apostle Paul and finish well. Gotta be biblical, throw that one in there. Honestly, I was drawn to this pastor in Tumblr Ridge because we talked about Jesus and the scriptures, and this pastor was declaring all those things. As soon as I began to focus on the secondary things, I started to lose my proper view of the cross. And I know as evangelicals are arguments, and by the way, the alcohol one, I do not drink, but I have struggled for years to give you a hard argument that you should never drink anything. I can give you arguments outside of scripture why you shouldn't drink, but the scriptures speak against drunkenness, but it doesn't, you know, Paul even, and people say, well, it's a medicinal thing, told Timothy take a little wine for his stomach. But alcohol was fairly common back then, and, uh, but I would still say, knowing that one in eight become alcoholics, one in four of native descent become alcoholics, I just say, ah, should we mess with that? Be careful, that's all I'm saying. If you socially drink, you have a glass of wine, I won't chop you up or kick you off the elder's board or anything. But I think what we need to do this morning in unity is focus on Jesus. If we are connecting with Jesus, and I can tell you some of the emails I've gotten have made me so upset. And I get on my knees, and it, you probably know if you've taken hearing God, part of my journey now is I write G, well I write A period, A is for Anthony, and I ask God a question, then I'm quiet. Any thought comes to my mind, I write G dot, and I write down. This morning I did that, and I, I don't even know, it's gonna be the benediction today, but the Lord, that passage in Numbers, if you saw me post it on Facebook, you know, the Lord bless thee and keep, that just came to my mind. Just, I can't open my Bible, I can't pray without that coming to my, I mean, as I was thinking the Beliski family, four in the morning I woke up, I'm praying for the 16-year-old boy that's lost his mom and dad and two little brothers and sisters, and I, I just start praying, and all of a sudden, the Lord bless thee and keep comes into my mind. And so even this morning, I took a quick look at that passage. And it was said that it was supposed to be said to the people as a blessing to them. And so I want to tell you this morning, if you're struggling in division and disunity and grief and anger and frustration, I just want you to hear the benediction at the very end. Well, we're not done yet. This is the conclusion, but we're getting there. So I wrote down all the unity verses in I came up with 40 or 50. Even this morning, I deleted another 10 or 15 of them, and I have lots here, and I'm, I just want you to sit and hear what the scripture says. So we, we read the 1 Corinthians 1.10, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. In the name of the Lord Jesus, don't forget that. 1 Peter 3.8, finally, He's written so much in Peter up to these three chapters. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Philippians chapter two, I mean, this is the great humility passage. But before the humility stuff in verse six comes, 
you know, you're, you should be humble like Christ. In Philippians 2.2, listen to this. Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. And then he says, be humble like Jesus. Quit being so arrogant. Colossians 3.14, and above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Old Testament, Psalm 133.1, a song of the ascents of David, behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. 1 Corinthians 13.1, finally brothers rejoice, aim for restoration, comfort one another, agree with one another, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. <coughs> Ephesians chapter four. I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Romans chapter 12. Now Romans 12, you know I love the first two verses especially. How do you find God's will in your life? <laughs> you don't conform and learn to the patterns of this world, but you go to Jesus. And then in verse four, for as in one body we have many members and the members do not have all the same functions, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Verse 16, same chapter, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, this is the English Standard Version, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. I can tell you I am the hardest to reach when I think I'm so smart. Romans 15, five, may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Jesus Christ. Romans 14, 19, so then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. And then I got another verse and another verse and another verse and another verse and another verse. Man, I'm scrolling fast. There's more Titus, Corinthians more, Romans more, Ephesians again. I mean, it just goes on, Romans 8, Hebrews 10, Colossians 3. I mean, there's just teaching. Jesus talking in Matthew 12. Um, where else are we going? And I want to finish with just this one. Now, this is one of the final things recorded that Jesus said. Now, um, Matthew 28 would be the final, and Acts chapter 1 of for sure would be the final. But this is Jesus' final recorded prayer. It's quite a lengthy prayer. And I want you to hear what this prayer says in John 17, 11. And I am no longer in the world, so he's gonna die. But they are in the world, and I am coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they will be one even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except for the son of destruction, 
that the scripture might be fulfilled, but now I am coming to you. And these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Are you hearing? <laughs> it's really hard. I, the scripture does teach what we need to do as Christians, how we need to live. But you can never, ever separate that. And because we like to chapter and verse our Bible, which isn't part of the original inspired stuff, we often miss the parts that teach first the connecting to the vine. You can never separate when God calls you to be, in this case, unified from a relationship with Jesus. You will not pull yourself up by the bootstraps. You will be infected and affected by this world. You will be infected and affected by your opinions, your likes, your dislikes. You will be infected and affected by the gifts God's given you. If you are into deep theology and teaching, that's going to affect you. If you have the gift of discernment, that's going to affect you. And you're gonna look on others differently. Your hurts and pains that you grew up with. And some of you might have so much baggage in your past that you need to go get some counseling, good, solid Christian counseling. That'll really help you. But we are all being affected, and what's gonna bring us together is Jesus. In the name of Jesus, that's what's gonna bring us together. Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, I wanna thank you for this church that's never divided. And I have seen people with some deep feelings as they've shared them privately with me. And yet they've been so careful, so careful. Even this morning, I, I gave somebody permission to do something. He said, no, I don't want to be divisive. I want to thank you, God, for what you've been doing in this church, that we have been, in the name of Jesus, focusing on the cross of Christ, lest it be emptied of its power, and yeah, we got some doctrines in theology that we believe are really important, but we want to focus on the primary things. And honestly, God, there's a lot of things we bring into the church that just barely even cover the pages in Scripture. Oh, God, forgive us for being so divided. And this morning, Heavenly Father, <laughs> we, we love to cuddle and uh, caress and protect our division, our divided hearts. We don't like being called out, that we're being divided. But only you, God, I believe, can call people out like I can't. I know perception is reality for people. And I know a lot of people perceive this or that about what's really going on in these days. And I just pray that we as a church can show the world in our unity, in our love for each other, that you, God, are love. Oh God, may we not be those people, whether it's on social media, talking at the coffee row or where in work, may we not be those people that are heaping up and piling up division in our world. You, God, have called us to be peacemakers. Not just peacekeepers, but peacemakers. And we're gonna need your Holy Spirit. We're gonna need the power of the cross. We're gonna need <laughs> the name of Jesus in our souls. We need to have that 
reconciliation DNA from you, God. That while we were yet sinners, you died on the cross for us. Oh God, unify us. And there may be some today that need to go spend some time hearing you and searching scriptures. And I just pray, God, if there's anybody that needs to make it right with somebody else, if they've said words like I heard this week from my relative, I hate you and wish you were dead. If anybody has been, even by action or attitude, offensive to somebody else, oh God. I, I even think about that unworthy manner of, of taking communion, how we're supposed to examine ourselves to make sure that we are looking at the cross properly. And oh Jesus, I know so much in that time people reconcile with each other. And so God, Holy Spirit, if you would speak to us now, I am convinced like the four churches I've seen in Renewal that you, God, will lead people individually. I don't need to convict them. I don't need to call them out per se. You're much better at it, God. So would you, God, as we humble ourselves, bend our knee and say, God, do I have anything in my heart I need to get rid of? Do I have any bitterness? Do I have any anger? Do I have a attitude? Do I have a, an occurrence, an a, a incidence that I need to go make right? Oh God, oh God, we desperately need you. We are so fallen. And, and that old nature just wells up. We want to lean into the new nature. We want to lean into our heart of flesh. We want to look at the cross in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, amen. Please stand with me. This is a really important thing to hear right now. This has nothing to do with the message. Uh, because of our attendance, uh, and this is one of those, you know, in leadership they always say, don't make so many changes, it'll drive you. We're gonna go back to two services next Sunday, so 9.15 and 11.15, so just be aware of that 9.15 and 11.15. Uh, we need to do that. Our attendance kept dropping. Every time the government gave another announcement, the attendance dropped, another announcement, attendance had dropped, and it's become untenable for us. So we went back to one service, and it's been great being together. But next Sunday, we will go back to 9.15 and 11.15. So please pay attention. Please tell everybody you think of we have. We'll try to social media it out. We'll email it out. And we'll even try to phone people. But next Sunday will be two service again. So please pay attention. If you need to come to the altar just to pray, and maybe you're, you're aware of some disunity in your family, and you just like to come here and ask these guys, say, can you pray for my brother Fred, who hasn't talked to me in 20 years? I'd like to make it right with him. It's a good place to do that. And just want to encourage you, maybe you need to go home and pray about somebody or something that you've been really angry and bitter about. And, and, and by the way, I've told you this story a long time ago. The guy that I went and apologized to for being angry and hating him, he had no idea I hated him, was angry at him because I'd never told him. If, if the person doesn't know, you don't need to do that thing. But I'm just telling you, if the person's really clear that you've been bitter and cut them off, and by the way, I'm not talking about sometimes there's safety reasons why you've had to distance yourself from people. That's a whole different story. But that usually isn't the case. Uh, sometimes we might have to limit ourselves a little bit to certain people, uh, but that doesn't mean being nasty and being jerks to them. And so if somebody knows or thinks that you've been bitter towards them, angry towards them, you've been actually even getting even with them with something you've done or said, you've gossiped about people and it's come out, I'm just gonna tell you, confession time, I've had to apologize a lot over the years for everything I've just said. 
And uh, thank goodness, most of the time I'm good at listening to God. And I get told, usually within half an hour or whatever, you know, did you know you just offended? I'm just joking. John Mayer is one of the elders. Uh, you better go talk to John Mayer. I, oh, by the way, John Mayer is that kind of guy that hears God all the time. I've known John a couple of times to come to people and say, I'm very sorry if I came across offensive. Uh, these are what we need to do. Honestly, we're human. We were born into sin. We live in the world. We're affected by it. And that's okay, but we need to make things right. If we are unified, it's going to really transform the world. But I want to finish with the Numbers chapter 6 passage. And as I read, if you read the verses just before it, it says, please uh, say this to Israel to bless them all the time. Now this is a God-given blessing for you today in 2021. I had to think about that for a moment. I almost I feel like it's 1991 still. Numbers chapter 6, verse 24 says, and please soak it up. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen? Amen. And remember the rule, you can't fellowship so much in, you have to go out to your cars, and on the way you can talk to each other. But God bless you. Have a great 2021.